Welcome to Grace in Public, preaching and teaching in the heartland and all around the world. And now we'll go straight to our main message. In this story of 2 Samuel, the 23rd chapter, in the 15th verse, the first important thing that it mentions is that David longed for water. He was longing for water because the battle with the enemy was intense and the heat of the pressure was great and he was longing for water. He was longing for water in the midst of a battle. It's so vital for every single believer to realize how many people in the heat of pressures are longing for water. They're longing to have their thirst quenched. It is so easy to put a label to everything today. Words are so easy to use. It is, it is so easy to analyze the situation, to be able to know in terms of words what's going on and perhaps why it, it continues to be. But words are so inadequate. Words are so completely incomplete when it comes to the real need of the soul that's thirsting. When David was longing for water and the Philistines were actually between them and the well, this pictures the, our enemies between us and what we need for our thirst to be quenched. We have those enemies between us and getting our thirst quenched. And we long for water and David could not go himself to get the water. And for some reason, we cannot get what we need ourselves. Someone has to go for us. And someone has to, to lay down their lives for our need. And isn't that precisely what true Christianity is all about? People laying down their lives to meet our need in the pressures of the battle. I said tonight on the radio that it is so often understood that when a person is in the heat of a battle, that you look at that person and your love becomes human love, your attitude becomes conditional, your evaluations become self-oriented, and Christianity in its Christocentric power leaves in looking at the other one's need. But the older you get, the more that you literally look beyond the faults and see the need. The more you look beyond the failure and see the possibilities. The more you look beyond the things that do not have to be in their lives and look at the things that you can perhaps give them for their lives. And there's such a difference, isn't it? And because of this, the Holy Spirit of God, when he fills our cup and it runs over, begins to give us the same desire that the three mighty men had. Here's David and here's the well and here's the Philistines. And here, here are the enemies between David and what he desired, what he thirsted for. And I'm positive that in any crowd of this size, that deep Deep in your hearts, some in different circumstances have a great thirst for certain things. Oh, nobody really understands it, and nobody seems to care 
that much, and perhaps no one perceives that readily what your need is, but your heart is cried out, and you've tried to put it in words, and you've cried out, and you've shared it different ways, but you've shared it. And when you've shared it, whatever way you've shared it, it was a cry for water, meaning for a provision for what you need to have your thirst quenched in that area. And as you did, more times than not, Christians seemed uninterested, passive, not in every case certainly, but they seemed reluctant to care. And their care didn't go beyond the world's concern. Their insight didn't go beyond their natural capacities. Their ability to help didn't go beyond the publican. All because they didn't really understand in the spirit the enemies between you and the water. And those enemies are so real. Those powers and forces are so great. Looking at them from all their supernatural potential. The three mighty men when they heard David say that he longed for water, they didn't waste any time at all. And the more you see people afflicted, and the more you see people suffer, and the more you see the effects of sin, the more you see the provocations of carnality, the more you see the devastation of ignorance, meaning ignorance to provisions when people cannot apply them, the more you see the dullness and the sensitivity of the faculties toward God and toward Christ, the quicker we will immediately lay down our life and sacrifice it to meet somebody's cry. The cries in various forms are all saying, is Christianity any different than my living in the world? It seems that no one has loved me that much more. And after I got saved and thought it was going to be so great, I haven't been fulfilled. And I haven't been peaceful. I, my mind has not rested. And he says over and over again, the calls relate to those kind of cries. And that really is true. It's true all over Christendom. What does a Christian think when he hears the cries that come forth today. David longed for water. The three mighty men never once considered the cost to themselves of meeting the need of David. They never once considered that they might die at the hands of the enemies. They never once feared the enemy. They never once hesitated or delayed their faith that was going to work by love. The three mighty men just simply went and got the water. They were unusual servants because they were servants that obeyed love through faith without considering the cost to themselves. And when we bring this spirit and this attitude in a home, when we bring it into a local assembly, when we bring it into a relationship, when we go forward to quench the thirst of others, the thing that's on the heart of Jesus more than anything else, and look at them beyond their faults and see their need, and begin to go forth to fetch for them what they need 
through the grace of God, then immediately it does something to their heart. David got the water, and he was thirsty, and the heat of the battle was great. But he said, I cannot drink the water. And he poured it out on the ground. And the reason that he poured it out on the ground is he said, they put their lies in jeopardy, and I'm not going to drink the water of lies that came from lives that were put in jeopardy. I think reading this passage, we can readily see how that David was so completely touched by their laid down lives that his spiritual thirst was quenched and it took care of his need for the water. Love will do more than any other thing when a person begins literally, practically, consistently to lay down their lives for each other. Now I want you to think for a moment. Here's two people and they begin to live into sin. And they go on a sin trip. And they get away from God. They lose their motivation. They do not have personal holiness. They do not seek for God's will. Their mind becomes insensible. Their lives are dulled. When this happens, these things constitute terrible enemies. Enemies that are trying to destroy them. Enemies that are trying to take away any possibility and capacity they have to be fulfilled in serving God. 2 Timothy 2.22 says to flee from youthful lust. Do you know what it means to flee from youthful lust? It means you act your age. It means you grow up. It means if, if Satan comes in with projections, you don't even entertain them. That's youthful lust. It means more than just sensuality, acknowledgement, and repentance. It means grow up and live your age in Christ. Live uh, according to what you ought to be living. Live clean. Live mature. Live, live joyful. Live rejoicing, but live maturely. And don't give a place to youthful lust. Youthful lust has taken more people down the trail uh, of sin, down the trail of lack of discernment, down the trail of failing, down the trail of petting, down the trail of foolishness, down the trail of, of independence, down the trail of being careless and slothful, down the trail of thinking slothfully, carelessly, and impurely. Youthful lust does that. So the Bible says, flee youthful lust. That means don't have anything to do with it. Put on Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. I do not believe that verse is understood. Romans thirteen fourteen. It means don't make a provision for youthful lust. Don't make a provision for self to be satisfied. Don't make a provision for sensual fulfillment. Don't make a provision by thinking, by looking, by reading, by hearing, by talking, by reacting. Don't make a provision. Listen. Every person here knows that there's no greater thing than to live in the personal holiness of the finished work through the throne with a faith that works by love, without works, but with the law of love operating through personal holiness. There is no greater life to live. There's no greater life to live than to think, today I haven't had a lustful thought. Today I've honored God by grace. Today I've been available to the Word of God. Today I've enjoyed prayer. Today I've loved and, and, and inwardly been broken over situations and identification. It's a clean feeling. It's a healthy feeling. It's a wholesome feeling. It's a right feeling. And it's a feeling where we are available to others at any cost 
to lay down our lives. And that's why God wants to take the place that you give to smoking and put something else in its place. That's what it means, be occupied till I come. If we give a place to Jesus Christ, and we give a place to redemption, and we give a place on purpose to living with God and serving God, the devil and sin and projections and natural needs just don't have a place. You show me someone that's busy building people up and see if they have a time to tear people down. You show me someone that's busy uh, with the lawn, busy helping, busy as a helpmate, busy as a co-laborer, and see if they have time to be negative and, and mean and hateful and, and pouting and depression. depression. They just don't have time. They're busy. They're wholesome. They're alive. Neither give place to the devil in Ephesians 4.27. Neither give place. David was thirsting and he was longing for drink. In the heat of the battle. And I know that after conviction comes and a person determines to live right, then they're thirsting too. They've already been convicted. They've already made up their mind to live right. They've already made up their mind to change and to go all the way for God. They've made up their mind. And then the thirsting comes. And that's where you and I come in. We come in to lay down our lives. And to totally, to risk our lives to get them water. And that's exactly what these three mighty men did. Number one, the sacrifice they made was without any thought of the consequences to themselves. And that's so important. What will it cost me if I give this? No, it was without any thought of consequences to themselves. Where will I be when it's all over? It's without any thought of consequences to themselves. Number two, they had unconditional love for David and so much unconditional love that they weren't even counting their lives as anything. And that made them mighty. And number three, they were bold and courageous and filled with faith. But it was a faith that worked by love. And they went in front of the army of the Philistines and brought back the water. Now, a kind of a ministry like that. I remember when Tom and Lisa went to Finland. And when, when Lisa married Tom, Schaller. But when they went to Finland, and the ministry only had, what, six or seven people? And the, as always, the original people that encouraged them didn't have anything to do with them once they got over there. You'll have all these people, will you come to Georgia? Yeah. And you send somebody to Georgia and they won't even come out there to the Bible studies when you get to Georgia, you know. And uh, so that's the way sometimes people are. But uh, they got to Finland and they just had to depend on God. Sunshine, only three or four days the first winter. And uh, nights, you know how the darkness is in Finland. Okay, they began what? To lay down their lives for the vision. To lay down their lives for us. And the ministry began to catch fire. And it began to grow. Because they had in their mind and in their purpose that they weren't going to consider the consequences of their dedication. They were just going to lay down their lives unconditionally and go without challenging the plan of God. And they had, I believe it was 270-some people out. 
and reached something like 25,000 with their different ministries. And that's beautiful for Finland. They're the, they're the fastest thing growing in Finland. When David, when David got this water, what did he do with it? He didn't drink it. Why? Because his heart was very sensitive to those that had laid down their lives. You know, that's so important. The ministry lays down its life and you're sensitive. You lay down your lives and others are sensitive. And so they won't take advantage of your laid down life. Why? Because they appreciate it. They're very sensitive to you. They appreciate it. You're building them up when you do it, but they won't take advantage of your laid down life. Can you imagine what happens in a ministry where people take advantage of a laid down life? Now you picture hundreds and hundreds of people in your heart desiring to give yourself to everyone, but having that be impossible. And there are those that refuse, flatly refuse, to receive the messages and the love and the teaching and the instructions, and they just want to take advantage of your life. What happens? They drink the water, and as they drink the water, your life is in jeopardy because of the demands that they have made upon you. Do you believe that? Do you believe that it's possible to take advantage of grace and take advantage of love to the extent that where lives are in jeopardy because of selfishness? Yes, it is. That's why when the Spirit of God comes in, we need to understand that to have laid down lives means that it's a spirit of love, it's a spirit of grace, but with it, it produces a spiritual response. Someone lays down their life for you and you respond to it. You grow in it. You're built up in it. You're edified by it. Because you're, the love does so much for you because of that laid down life. We so many times in Acts 13.22 and in 1 Kings 15.5, we read about David, a man after God's heart. What made David a man after God's heart? It wasn't his... It wasn't just David that made it happen. It was people like the three mighty men. It was the amazing people that loved him, that served with him, that co-labored with him, that laid down their lives for him. And they created a capacity in David for God and for others just as much as David did for them. It's proven by David's history and his records. And that's where a body begins to really function. Three indispensable things. One, my right relationship with the head, Jesus Christ. Two, my proper relationship with every body member. And three, the position that I'm in, in my portion to others. These three things are very vital to know. If I always keep my vertical proper, if I always keep my horizontal flowing, if I always know my portions and become available, these are three beautifully indispensable things. When my vertical stops but the fellowship drains, then I lose the power. When I, when I magnify my portion more than I magnify my fellowship, then I have inner conflict. When I magnify my vertical but do not release it in a horizontal, 
Then I'm immediately I enter into perplexity and distortion of corporate body living. But if I have my vertical right, my fellowship right, and my position and portion right, then everything takes its rightful perspective. And that's what God wants for us, is to have that vertical strong. And that's what it means to have a heart after God. Jesus loves his enemy. We love our enemy. Jesus doesn't resent. We don't resent. Jesus would lay down his life for us when we was guilty. We lay down our life. Jesus forgives. We forgive. A heart that beats constantly after God. A heart that hears a message and can't wait to live it through grace. A heart that sees a need and can't wait to lay down its life to meet that need. A heart that, that instead of taking advantage of somebody else's love, it uses that love that comes toward it to give to others. Thank you for tuning in. If you can, don't forget to send a tax-deductible gift to us. Your generous donation made to our program promotes this broadcast and ones like it going out on the Internet and broadcast on local stations throughout the United States. So please prayerfully consider what you can give. Find out how to give your donation at www.graceandpublic.com. Yes, what a wonderful message. Love quenches the thirst of the soul, the spiritual thirst of the soul. So awesome. And you know when you're thirsty, you're hungry, and there's some obstacle that's standing in the way so that you can't have that need met. What a dilemma that is. But to be satisfied, love, the love of God satisfies us. So amazing. And there are many people living in darkness. There are many people living thirsty lives all over the world. Here are a few more clips of the, the 2010 Fitly Framed Convention talking about missions. Missions brings water to a thirsty land, brings the love of God to thirsty souls all over the world. Yeah, um, Pastor Chris Moore, I would say that uh, I would say that there is no greater reward than the reward that we can take to heaven with us, and that's souls. Um, we lived in Poland during the years that it was communist. We took a team to Ukraine in 91. Um, and I would say that if, if it is in your heart to take a short-term mission trip, um, go for it. Come and get trained. Maryland Bible College and Seminary, mbcns.edu. Uh, check, check us out on the web. Um, all of our teachers are teachers that have had uh, minimal several years of experience in church planting and in church administration. Uh, even if you're thinking about a short-term mission trip, you want to get trained, um, there's not a shortage of people that think about missions, but there is definitely a shortage of people that are prepared to go. Get trains, uh, be prepared for the warfare, and 
build yourself up and discover your calling because time is very short and the night is far spent and there are people that are waiting to meet you and hear the gospel from your lips in Vietnam, in Burma, in Northwest China, South America. These are different places that we don't have teams yet. I was thinking of a people group called Krom, K-R-O-M, Khmer Krom People Group, and they're a people group in southern Cambodia and southern Vietnam. And I thought we should go there. There's, they are an unreached people group, and we could do it. They would receive us. So we love you, and we're asking God to bring you to our Bible school if that's His will. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. Amen. Uh, I would say that there are many doctrines that we have learned over the years that need to be reiterated, uh, like doctrines about our personal life, personal walk with God, uh, vertical uh, doctrines about familiarity, party spirits, um, the traps and snares in life, uh, how to relate to trials, uh, walking in faith, uh, personal edification, encouragement, body life, uh, deceit, what be not deceived. I think it's four times mentioned in the New Testament. Be not deceived, be not deceived. A man thinks himself to be something when he's nothing, and then he deceives himself. So I just think that, that the health of the body is really based on us learning how to process life when it happens to us. And we learn how to think with God and relate to life by having what we know go into our hearts. So my, my whole thing is how, did, how the things, the truth would be in my heart. Not just something I know, but that it would be in my heart. You know? We'd love to hear from you, so please go to our website and contact us. The web address is www.graceinpublic.com. Are you thirsty today? Are you thirsty for a Bible college education? Maybe you never put it in words that way before. Maybe you're a believer. Maybe you've been a believer. But you really want to learn the scriptures. You really want to bring the message to other places, but you don't know how to do that. You don't have a place to go. Well, you do have a place to go, and that's Bible College. And Bible College will equip you to take you places and put you in front of people and operate in groups and learn the scriptures and know the mind of God. So if God's calling you that way, Answer the call. Maryland Bible College and Seminary in Baltimore, Maryland. And they have answers for you. You can take credits online. You can you can come to Maryland and live close to the campus and take classes and be on a grand adventure with Christ. And who knows where that will bring you. Maybe your soul is thirsty because you don't know the gospel. You You don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You are not yet a believer, but after hearing the messages today, you realize you've made an identification that your soul needs love. That's that's what it is. Your soul needs love. 
and God is overflowing and abundantly available to give you all the love that you would ever need. There's a door that leads into the place where you can receive that abundant grace and mercy and love, and it's the person of Jesus Christ. He's the way. Believe in him, and you won't be ashamed. And though you're thirsty, he'll give you water to drink that you know not of. There'll be water that overflows out of you to others. There'll be more than enough for you to share with everyone around you. So maybe you pray a prayer like this. Lord, I'm thirsty. Come into my life. I believe in you. I ask you, God, come into my life. Quench the thirst of my soul. Make me yours. I'm available. I know you died on the cross 2,000 years ago, and now I know that it was for me. And I receive that gift, and I ask you to transform me. In Jesus' name, amen.